So we are changing tack a little because each and every Tuesday between the hours of 10 and 11, uh, we hand over the reins and welcome into the studio the team from Virtue Zone. There ain't nothing they don't know about setting up businesses here in the region. Uh, they've done so successfully for over a decade and they continue to do so. And you know what? Uh, that's why uh, we are starting up with Virtue Zone Tuesdays from 10 until 11 right here on Dubai I 103.8. Uh, what we're talking about today, well, it's no secret that the number of tech startups is on the rise. We're constantly hearing about new businesses across fintech, health tech, biotech, uh, and anything else with tech after it. The list goes on and on. Here in the UAE, the government is doing much to promote the industry as a whole. We've got multiple programs, accelerators and incubators. Apparently, they're all boosting new companies. But... Which startups are getting it right? How do you launch a tech company successfully and get access to the many programs and fundings that are available? We're going to be speaking with Abu Dhabi's Hub 71 in just a few moments' time about how they uh, are fostering some of the best and the brightest minds in the tech world. And we'll also be joined by the co-founder of employee benefits platform, Bezat, joining us a little later on to give his advice to the new players. Uh, plus, get your questions in now for Company Clinic with Virtue Zone. There is so much to look forward to between now and 11 o'clock. You're listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone on Dubai Eye 103.8. As always, we're asking you to join the conversation. Get involved uh, with uh, Starting Up With Virtue Zone. Hashtag Starting Up With Virtue Zone. Hashtag Be Your Own Boss. Uh, that's the two hashtags you need to remember. Uh, listen, we want you to send your thoughts and comments. You can uh, text us at any point on 4001. Looking for a bit of advice? Uh, looking for a little bit uh, of sage advice on how to get your business off the ground? Or maybe you have started up already and have hit, the, hit a something of a brick wall, then this is the opportunity for you to do so. As I said, text messages, please, to 4001. Um, but you can have your say online as well. Uh, at Dubai I 1038FM is where you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, or, of course, if you're reaching out to the team at Virtue Zone, it's at Virtue Zone on Facebook and Instagram, at Virtue Zone underscore UAE, if you are having your say on Twitter. Uh, and do reach out to them at any point, not just during the next hour, but equally straight after the show has concluded. They will be remaining online, uh, the tech team at Virtue Zone, to answer all. All of your questions via the website, via the social media platforms and otherwise. Tech startups, the best, the brightest minds in the tech startup world being fostered right here in the UA is going to be our main focus. And the man who's going to help us out with that is the CEO uh, of Virtue Zone, Mr. George Ajay, who joins us live here in studio. George, good to have you on board. Thanks for having me, Tom. I All thought good. you had forgotten about me. No, I, 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 well, I missed you last week, but uh, we've did, been reunited. But you had my fabulous partner and co-founder, Neil Pitch, who's We'd, unequaled on the radio. He was, uh, he was in good form last week. Always is. Uh, good form indeed. And is that being followed through by the company at the moment? A good week for Virtue Zone? Absolutely. Listen, it's been a, a good few weeks, a good few months. I would even say a, a, good, uh, a good year or two. Dubai is buzzing, absolutely buzzing. A lot of people moving here, a lot of people relocating, a lot of people wanting to set up here. So it's been good times all around and hopefully great times for the city for some time to come. I mean, we're talking about growth in so many areas of the city at the moment, different industries, different businesses. Uh, yeah, lest we forget, there has been tough times as well. We've people, seen people lose their jobs in the last 18 months. Uh, we've seen organisations downgrade as well. In terms of numbers, where are you at at the moment? How many employees with Virtue Zone at the moment? 
We are about 110 at the Amazing. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're about 110. We're we're setting up. Uh, You're going to need a bigger boat soon. Uh, no, 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 no. We're 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 trying to <laughs> always optimize the optimize the space we have. <laughs> we love the place where we're at. Our clients love the place where we're at. You know, it's it's greatly conveniently located in Sul Bahar. It's got great parking space. People love just love our office, and it's got a great buzz to it. Um, no, th- listen, things are things are boiling at the moment. It's very good. Um, we're trying to 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 um, branch out more and more into different things and try to get to, to get a bigger ecosystem for our clients. Always trying to give them more support services more value-added services, all these things. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, I haven't seen Dubai like this since 2005 when I first got here, to be honest with you. And um, um, I, I, I see it really, I see, I see really a boom for the next two, three years. And we are the ones who feel it first because we see the first uh, people coming in and wanting to set up or wanting to relocate here. And um, so far, it's been a great year. So, uh, so expect some good things for the next uh, year or two, at least. Indeed. Right, we are going to address some of the big talking points of the week with... Well Briefed, the business stories you need to know this week. Just looking at some of the big uh, stories in this particular sphere uh, over the course of the last couple of days. Companies in the UAE calling for continued financial support and greater flexibility on loan repayments in light of the impact of COVID-19 on their revenues and cash flow. In a survey of 63 companies in the UAE conducted by Mead and Mashrek, which we talked about on the show a little earlier on, nearly 88% of companies saying that their banking needs have changed as a result of the pandemic, with over 50% saying that they have an increased need for financing. George, is that something that you are seeing at the moment? Well, financing has always been the uh, Achilles heel of of SMEs or startups. Yeah. when you first start up, you have most of the time you have what do you call pre-seed money, which is money friend from friends and family mm. and so on. And that you realize that you go through that pretty quickly. Um, the need for financing comes up pretty quick. Before we had these uh, new financing methods, if you want, of people investing into stocks and startups and all that, you used to go to the bank and ask the bank for a loan. That simply and say, listen, I'm starting this business. Here's my business plan. And um, I need money to, and I'll, I'll repay it over a certain period of time. This has not changed. People need cash flow. Companies need cash flow. And uh, the banks, as we know, have there's always been a, a challenge with, with, with banks financing SMEs. Uh, it's one of the biggest challenges that we see in the market, to be honest with you. And we're always addressing it. And we always try to act as the lobby, if you want, for the, for the SME uh, uh, industry because, because they don't have a lobby. You know, uh, all, all industries have their own lobbies. The SMEs really don't. And I think there is... Uh, starting to be some movement towards addressing the issue of financing SMEs um, with the banks. Um, they're not very interesting for, for banks to finance because they, they're not very lucrative uh, at a smaller scale, but the banks are starting to see the importance of getting on board with them early, especially if they're successful in the future and they can reap uh, you know, the rewards, the rewards mm. from that. Uh, but yes, I mean, people have gone through their cash flows during the pandemic. They need they need the financing. They need cash to 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 keep trucking. And uh, it's normal that they would probably turn to banks to get more financing. Do you find that uh, organisations, startups, are sort of married to 
certain banks? Is there sort of a, a loyalty, their understanding with one bank? Or what's the advice when it comes to virtual? Is it to shop around or well, not? We, yes, we, we, we deal with pretty much all the banks that yeah. are catering to SMEs. And depending on your profile, some banks will have an appetite more than others to onboard you as a company, depending on what sector you're in, depending on the size of your company, depending on what are your needs in terms of finance. Uh, we see that, uh, you know, some smaller banks tend to be uh, easier for you to get a bank account. Some of the bigger ones tend to be quicker. It depends really on your needs. And we have a team uh, at VirtuZone that, that, that gives you the bank, uh, bank account opening assistance and the full 360 works on, on what is the best thing for you to do. Don't forget we got the neo banks at the moment as well, yeah. the new digital banks like Mashwick, Neobiz and Live and all that who, who will onboard you online and, and that's a much quicker process. So there is a lot to, go, to comb through and, and our team at, at, at uh, VirtuZone can help you go through that. Uh, right, let's get to other news out there on the uh, that has been coming through recently. And Dubai-based Buy Now Pay Later company Tabby, they've secured one of the largest debt facilities for a fintech startup in the Middle East and North Africa. Silicon Valley-based partners for growth will provide fifty million dollars in debt financing to Tabby to help expand its business. The size of the facility may increase as the company becomes larger over time, according to a statement from the Tabby team. Funding for Tabby shows Buy Now. Now, pay later firms are thriving. Um, another Dubai-based brand, which is doing very well. Yeah, and, and you know, this buy now, pay later system is now replacing credit cards, right? So mm-hmm. the biggest company in the world for buy now, pay later is a company called Klarna, mm-hmm. based out of Sweden, I believe, and, and uh, which VirtuZone has, has actually invested in. And it's now moving to the U.S. and taking over the U.S. And, and, and this tab is along the same lines. Uh, it is, you know... The Stecker revolution is pretty much like the fourth, they call it the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. And, you know, this this pay, buy now, pay later um, scheme might actually uh, make uh, credit cards non-existence, believe it or not. So so uh, we're challenging everything. We're challenging everything we already have. We're trying to improve everything we already have, hence the fourth industrial revolution. And you'll keep on, you know, as long as we have, as we have traditional, traditional means, you'll, you'll keep on seeing these challenger companies, challenger tech companies that are coming to disrupt and to make people's lives easier. Mm. One final one for you, Emirates Development Bank, EDB. Uh, they granted Dubai-based Beehive just over $8 million to boost funding to SMEs in the UAE. Beehive, a peer-to-peer lending platform, will provide loans to creditworthy SMEs looking to expand their operations or improve working capital. Yeah, again. And that's great. I'm happy for Beehive. I mean, the boys are very hardworking down there. They're, they're, they're partners of ours in certain, in certain things. You know, the challenge with the, finance, with the finance industry is that it's so regulated, right? And it's been very difficult for these guys to be able to to go through and be able to do what they want to do given all the regulation, which rightfully so, regulation is right and regulation protects the consumer at the end of the day. But I'm happy for them that they got this funding. They're hardworking. They have, they've, been, they've been pushing for a very long time and they are doing a difference with some of the small, smaller and micro businesses out there. So good on them. But in the meantime, Abu Dhabi's Hub 71, described as global tech ecosystem, uh, is drawing in some of the best and the brightest tech startups from around the world. Currently, it's home to more than 100 startups across some 16 tech sectors and is looking to foster more through its new programmes. Our producer, Catherine Cunningham, has more. Hub 71 was launched in 2019 as part of the government's efforts to diversify the economy through its $50 billion Gardan 21 program. It provides founders access to top investors, customers, mentorship and market opportunities. Last year, its startups collectively raised more than 185 million dirhams. 
And now, as part of its new program, The Outliers, it's enabling startups to collaborate with leading corporations and government agencies to solve their operational challenges. Successful startups can gain access up to 100,000 dirhams. Interesting times uh, in a very competitive market. Nada Mesetif is the head of partnerships at Hub 71. Uh, absolute pleasure to say that he can join us live on the line and also live via Microsoft Teams. Uh, Nada, lovely to uh, hear from you and see you this morning. Thank you, Tom. It's good to be here. Hey, look, um, congratulations on the Outliers programme. A lot of chat about that in the market at the moment. Uh, but as I mentioned in the lead in there, you know, this is increasingly a very, very competitive sector. So for any potential startups listening into the show this morning, how can they get involved in the Outliers programme? What what are you specifically looking for? Sure. So so as, as the intro... Uh, mentioned, our our goal is really to build that tech ecosystem in Abu Dhabi and in the UAE, and we do that by channeling value and helping startups access success factors and access value in the ecosystem and within networks that we provide and we open access to as Hub Seventy One. Um, and we look at it from different perspectives. So one is access to capital. How do we help startups access capital and funds through our partners and our uh, VCs and our uh, you know, backers like Mubadala and Adio and other players. The other element which this falls under is the access to market. So how do we help startups really access revenue opportunities, access growing sales um, within the Abu Dhabi and UAE uh, ecosystem? And, and a big part of that is the corporate engagement, right? So you have corporates who have a clear mandates to innovate, and we've seen a big shift to digitalize during the last um, 12 months. So you have these corporates on one side looking to innovate and create digitization solutions and, and products, and you have startups who are innovating, who are very agile and quick, and want to access that you know, large platform of the corporate. So the outlier is simply creating that connection between the corporates and the startups and the growth companies globally to, to look at joint innovation efforts together. So the outliers, what we did is we worked with six of our corporate partners uh, likes of Etihad, Mastercard, Mashrik, ADCB, the Department of Health in Abu Dhabi, um, and and each one gave us a challenge that they have facing and they wanted to solve and innovate on. What we're doing as Hub Seventy One is we're opening this as as a platform and we're inviting companies globally to apply to these challenges, uh, depending on the sectors, of course. So if you're in health tech, you apply to the Department of Health. If you're in travel, there's Etihad challenge, etc. Um, and, and so far, the, the, the attraction has been has been massive. We've received about 70, 80 applications each uh, per challenge, and and we're we're accepting more. The deadline for application is uh, July 1st, and and this will be a way once once that's done to help those corporates work with those startups and those companies on innovating and creating joint solutions together, which gives the which gives the startups access to a market. In Abu Dhabi, and, and a fantastic anchor customer, let's call it, and of course gives the corporates access to that innovation. Hi, Nader, George here. Another quick question. I get asked this question many times. What makes 
either Dubai or Abu Dhabi an attractive location for startups uh, for the region. You know, we, we have a few hubs. We used to have a few hubs. I mean, Beirut was one of them. Amman and Jordan was one of them. What's making, you know, I know Saudi is thriving to, to make, to make uh, some of its locations uh, a hub for these, uh, for these startups. What makes Abu Dhabi uh, an attractive location for these uh, founders? Uh, thank you, George. Several factors, I think, come into play here. And, you know, being a hub with more than 100 startups uh, operating here, we, we see the value in, in a few things. One is clearly how can you open up the access to the networks within Abu Dhabi? So you have the funding is one thing. And, and we have the, the Mubadala backing with their fund uh, and MENA VC uh, fund structure. We have the likes of Adio. We have the ADGM structure with their own flexible, progressive framework to operate, set up a company, hire people and, and fundraise and invest and so on. Um, then you look at the, the wider opportunities within Abu Dhabi. The Abu Dhabi economy is one of the largest economies in the region. And you have some of the biggest players here, the likes of, again, Etihad, Aldar, uh, the, the, the banking sector is massive. So if you put all these networks together, there's a massive opportunity here for a startup or, or a, you know, a, growth tech, a growth company operating in tech to, to come here and access those opportunities. So you can raise funds through the Hub 71 uh, partner VCs. We have about 17 VCs that are partnered with Hub 71 and are based on Hub 71. So that's a fantastic capital community for you to access as a, as a founder and raise money um, and continue your growth journey. Then you look at the access to market component. How can you come in and engage with these large players who are very busy uh, growing and, and digitizing? So can you plug into those efforts with the corporates and the government sector to achieve more opportunities? The talent element is very important as well for a startup. So as you grow and as you proceed in your journey, you need to keep hiring people. And Abu Dhabi has been a fantastic place to attract talent, the livability, the, the, the safety, the, the, you know, the, again, the, 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 the opportunities Abu Dhabi provides in terms of talent and, and the presence of the universities, uh, of, of universities in Abu Dhabi has been a fantastic you know, differentiator for talent, to acquire young talent and, of course, um, mature talent. Mm. So you combine all these together. I think Hub 71 has been at the center of all that. And our goal is to enable a startup coming from abroad or from the UAE, of course, to access all these different opportunities and networks to fundraise, to access market, grow their sales, hire people, and operate in a friendly business environment within the ADGM framework. Now, to give, a, give our viewers and listeners a little bit of an example, I mean, you mentioned there uh, some of the, the, those the organizations that you've helped. Give us an example of a startup that you have down at uh, Hub 71 and what's made them and you unique, a perfect partnership. Great. I think we have a bunch of these, but maybe I'll mention a couple here. For example, a latest uh, uh, story came out about a startup called The Concept, which operates in terms of uh, smart trays, and they just signed a deal with Etihad to, to collaborate and bring that innovation and that service into the Etihad ecosystem and Etihad uh, uh, space. So that's been a very good story that came up a few weeks ago. Um, on the fundraising side, we've heard a bunch of stories the last couple of months. So, for example, Securency, which is one of our earliest um, startups in terms of the cohorts that started with us early, they raised $30 million in April. Uh, they announced that in April 2021. That was a big fundraise um, that, that we were happy to see them again grow and expand in that access to capital component. Another company that's in Hub 71 is Tarabot Gateway, which is a mm-hmm. fintech. 
which raised $13 million as a seed round, also announced recently. So these are some of the stories to, to show that if you bring the right community um, of funds, of corporates, and then you start curating the right startups around that community, then you start creating those nice collisions, which would create investments, which would create uh, commercial deals, and then, and then the, the ecosystem starts taking shape and organically grow within this, you know, growing and, and, and exciting network. Well, that's an interesting point you make. And I wanted to ask you, uh, impress you about the challenges that a number of the, the tech entrepreneurs are currently facing at the moment, because there's one glaring one in front of us. It's the pandemic at the moment. But I'm wondering whether the pandemic has either aided or abetted a number of that pool of talent to try and fulfill their dreams. Yeah, so so clearly the pandemic has you know, affected um, all of us, you know, in, in terms of how, how things operate and, and going about our daily lives. Mm. And we've seen, you know, firsthand how the startups and those companies can be quite agile in adapting to that um, and capturing the opportunities on, again, on the on the corporate government side. So given the, the, the urgencies that came up, you find the Department of Health, for example, looking to access digital innovation and digital channels to provide healthcare and telemedicine. So you find a lot of the companies in health tech and Hub 71 trying to, to capture that opportunity and work with DOH on accessing a larger pool of, of uh, users and uh, you know, patients. Mm. So that, that trend definitely continued. Uh, you've seen investors even getting a bit even more bullish on how to you know, capture and look at deal flow and, and invest in, in the, uh, the right companies that will you know, hopefully be relevant in you know, the next pandemic or the next crisis or the next uh, requirements that, that, that come, come to, uh, to place. And you see in the corporates as well, you know, accelerated digitization. Yeah. A lot of them had to face you know, um, innovation around how to sell or how to do retail or how to do education, depending on their, on their assets. So all these three different players having to ad- adapt and then again converging in a way that helps them to work together. Listen, Nada, it's always good to catch up with. Really appreciate uh, you sharing your thoughts, your expertise, uh, your advice uh, as well. Congratulations again on all the uh, extraordinary achievements of Hub 71. And we can't thank you enough for your time this morning. Uh, thanks, Ramesh, for joining us. Thank you very much. A big thanks to Nara Mosetev there, who is the Head of Partnerships at Hub71, who was joining us live on uh, Microsoft Teams. George Ajaj alongside me at the moment. Again, it, every time we do this show, George, it just amazes me, the interest that all these platforms, these companies are generating at the moment. And there are so many of them, you have no idea. I mean, every... It's not, you know, I always, I always say that when we were kids, I mean, nobody would say, I want to be a founder. No. Or I be, you know, it'd be like, and now we are, everybody's working in this ecosystem of startups and founders and, 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 and uh, finances and all these things. And we didn't have that. So it's like, it's like a new industry that's been created and uh, very exciting stuff. Listen, when you get into it a bit, you see that there's very exciting stuff and a lot of, a lot of capital creation that's being done, a lot of value creation as well. From the platforms that are providing uh, the expertise, we turn our attention to one of the startups uh, that uh, have made a name for themselves already. That is coming up in just a few moments' time. Startup Spotlight. 
Now, Bezat is a well-established startup which has made its mark providing an employee benefits platform. It was founded in 2013 and has become one of the UA's startup success stories. To date, Bezat has raised $37 million. With more information, here's our producer, Catherine Cunningham. Bezat is a cloud-based platform designed to help companies automate administration, payroll, insurance and benefits. Last year, the number of businesses using the platform grew by 30%. Talal Bayer is the co-founder and CEO. Bezat is the UAE's leading employee benefits platform, helping companies provide their employees with a better experience by automating and enhancing their insurance, payroll and HR administration. As of today, Bezat is helping to provide world-class employee experiences to over 60,000 employees. It's mission to make world-class employee experiences accessible to every SME. Happy to say that Bezat's co-founder and CEO is able to join us live on the line and also live via Microsoft Teams this morning. Uh, Talal, bless you. Thanks so much indeed for your time this morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, listen, let's start, if we may, my friend, with uh, your experiences today, not just from the date that uh, you launched, of course, uh, the, the success story that has been Bezat, but also the fact that you were one of the early startups to join Hub 71. We've just been speaking uh, to the team at Hub 71 about the, um, the support that they gave. Do you feel that they helped your business? Yeah, absolutely. They've helped our business. I mean, being part of Hub 71 has given us access to many opportunities um, from capital raising to private partnerships to learning and development. I think a very rewarding part of the experience as well as being able to rub shoulders and build valuable relationships with like-minded entrepreneurs. Um, It's been pretty amazing to see how fast they've been able to establish Hub 71 and how fast they're evolving it. It's like its own startup. Interested also to talk to you about sort of location, 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 especially uh, when it comes to startups. Times were when bricks and mortar were important. It was all about your office and your HQ and where you're set up as well. You are, correct me if I'm wrong, but new tenants at the DIFC Innovation Hub. Um, is, how's that working for you? And are you a believer that these sort of centres are beneficial for business? So DIFC approached us right before the pandemic started to tell us about their plans to turn DIFC into the fintech hub for the region. Um, Having grown up in Dubai and been a former investment banker, I've seen the rise of DIFC into a regional and global financial services hub. So obviously I wanted to be part of it. Um, But to be honest, at the same time, I was skeptical because, you know, we don't have the same budgets as a Morgan Stanley or Credit Suisse. Um, but the IFC always takes a long-term view of things, and they really wanted to attract the region's top fintechs. Um, so it was a no-brainer for us to be there, I think, from a reputation perspective um, and also from ability to hire world-class talent. It definitely makes a difference being in the IFC. Um, so, yeah, we're still doing a lot of remote working, flexible working, but at the end of the day, it's some of the best commercial real estate in the world. And our team's really happy to be there. But is there is there collaboration? The reason I ask is, I mean, I know this is a city that's no stranger to cities within cities. You know, we're here just on the corners of Dubai, media city. The idea of bringing all your media companies together, all your internet companies together, uh, all your production companies together in various cities. Is there collaboration with other startups within an innovation hub? And does that work? 
So there's definitely collaboration between founders um, in terms of experience sharing, which is extremely valuable for any founder. Um, collaboration in terms of partnerships and JVs between the companies really depends on what space they're in. Um, so we are having some discussions with some of the companies there, but the main the main value for me as a founder has been getting to know other founders and sharing experiences, sharing networks, etc. Listen, you and the team have had great success and great growth uh, since uh, launch, but especially in the last year as well. Exceptional growth, I think it's fair to say, within the last 12 to 18 months, which is extraordinary given the fact that we've been through or and still are going through the pandemic. How, how do you reflect on the effects and the impact of the pandemic on your business? So to start off, you know, just like most companies, April, May 2020 were extremely challenging. Um, I think a lot of companies were in a sort of hibernation mode during these months, so it was difficult to scale the business. But from June 2020 onwards, we started seeing an improvement every month. Um, you know, we saw a decline in revenue per customer in 2020, but our business still grew because so many companies were looking to adopt digital solutions. At the end of the day, most companies have an ambition to build an amazing employee experience. And with remote working, that employee experience is now even more reliant on technology than it's ever been. Um, and that's been an amazing uh, uh, tailwind for Bezat. In terms of advice, um, and it's interesting talking about, about advice. And I'm just wondering, because you've seen the landscape change so dramatically since founding back in 2013. If, if a young startup was to come to you, Talal, now and ask for advice, do you think your advice in 2021 would be different from the advice you might have proffered back in 2014? Yeah, absolutely. Back in 2014, you know, there wasn't, there weren't many VCs around. Uh, fundraising was very challenging. I mean, it continues to be challenging, but not to the same degree. So back then, it was really about prove you can scale revenue so that you can attract investment and be very careful with your money and your unit economics. And now, you know, investors are taking a more long-term view because they understand that to disrupt industries is a long-term game. So my, my advice now would be really to tell early stage companies to focus on product market fit and not worry about too many other things. Uh, focus is always a challenge when you're running a company, but it's also a key ingredient for success. And there's always so many opportunities and so many different things you can do. But in my experience, the best thing you can do is focus on your customers and develop an amazing product for them. In 2014, probably my advice would be more around survival, scaling revenue, and fundraising. Talal, uh, do you find that um, financing has become easier and is becoming easier for tech companies, or is it the same, or is it becoming more complicated? That's my first question. And my second question is, somebody who's listening to this will say, and he's, who's heard that you've raised so far $58 million or $57 million, which is a great achievement, well done, will say, what have these people spent 57 or $58 million on? I'm putting myself in the shoes of a, of a, of a complete different uh, listener here who doesn't know anything about startups or about the tech industry. So my two questions would be, why does a tech startup require so much uh, funds and so much, uh, uh, so much financing? And two is, do you, did you find that between 2014 and now it's getting easier and easier and getting access to capital or not? So in terms of access to capital, 
look, it, it's not easy. It's, it's challenging. It takes a lot of your time. It takes a lot of resilience. You're going to be rejected, you know, 90 times out of 100. Um, I do believe that for very early stage startups, it has become easier. Um, and that's just sheer, you know, supply demand. Uh, when we started, you know, our first venture investors, Beko Capital, they weren't even around when we started our company. You don't have angel networks, things like that. Um, for later stage, it's starting to become easier, but that's very recent. I think, you know, Bezat's always been, since we're one of the oldest startups, we've always been one of the first to get to the next stage. So when we were going for our Series B, there weren't too many local and regional investors who were deploying big ticket sizes and investing in Series B rounds. So we had to go outside the region. Um, so I think it's becoming easier for later stage, but still relatively challenging. Um, and why do we need so much money? Uh, so we've raised around $37 million to date. I mean, look, there's a few ways to, to think about it. I mean, one is obviously there's a learning curve. I'm a first time founder that I spend all the money as efficiently as I should have. No, right. But, but you live and you learn and you make mistakes and, and you move on. Um, but having said that, if you think about these startups and what industries they're disrupting, they're disrupting pretty large companies. So is the amount of capital we've raised a huge amount in that context? Not really, right? Because if we're disrupting, you know, the biggest SaaS players, the insurance industry, they have a lot more capital. And I think it's a bit naive to think we would disrupt them with $5 million when they have budgets of 10 times that. So that's another way to, to think about it as well. And then the last one is really about unit economics, right? Depending on what market or what type of company you are, uh, you may be developing a value proposition that, you know, gives you a, a lifetime value that exceeds five to 10 years. And the reality is the world's so competitive these days to acquire a customer um, costs money. You, you can't scale and acquire customers if you don't have the capital to deploy. Um, so I, that's my perspective on why we needed so that's much That's a great, to get great answer, Talal, and a great uh, insight into, into the life of a, of a founder mm. these days and why you need so much money. People tend to forget that it does – it's same for VirtuZone. It, it, it costs money to acquire, to acquire customers. Talal is absolutely right. And it costs money to go to market. It costs money to market. It costs money for brand recognition. It costs money for all of that. Mm. Last one from me, Talal, to you. Um, and what we're halfway through 2021 at the moment. Um, what would you say and, – and I'm very, you know, I'm very suspicious about using – tech startup as this sort of all-consuming phrase, because I understand there are so many different elements within tech startups and the tech uh, industry as a whole. But if you were to choose one current challenge for a tech startup looking to get ahead, to get, get underway in the market at the moment, what would you say that major challenge is at present? Focus. I mean, that's the present challenge, the future challenge, the past challenge, um, you know, especially with technology where there's no massive capex costs. Every opportunity looks attractive. You're always battling the shiny object syndrome. Um, so back to the advice I mentioned earlier, it's, it's really focus and developing product market fit and focusing on a specific type of customer profile in, in the early stages. Um, otherwise, it's you'll just move too slow if you're trying to tackle too many opportunities, which is uh, always an enticing thought, right? We could do so many things because we're tech-based. Mm. 
Talal, really appreciate your time this morning. I know you're a busy man, so really appreciate you joining us live this morning. To you and all the Bayes, that team, we thank you very much indeed. And thanks very much indeed for joining us. Thank you, guys. Big thanks to Talal Bayade as the co-founder and the CEO of Bezat. Right, that has prompted yet more questions. Uh, we will have Company Clinic with George in just a few moments' time. Company Clinic. George is with us here in studio. Um, and in fact, uh, the first of the questions that came through was about location, location, location. A lot of people saying uh, or re- reacting to the fact that we give out social media um, uh, handles, hashtags and otherwise. But in terms of your physicals, if people wanted to come and see you face to face and everything like that, where is, where is Virtuezone HQ? Well, our headquarters is in Su'ul Bahar. It's in Sahabi offices, oh, office for, for yeah. yeah. So even if you come with the family, we have the timeout market that's there now. So that's doing very well. You know, you can get a great food court. You got Dubai Mall that's next door. You can walk to it. So we get a lot of actually a lot of a lot of couples coming yeah. with, you know, with one person doing the paperwork, the other person going shopping or they, they you know, they apply for something, go for a walk and for yeah. a shop and come back. Plenty of parking available. It's smack downtown. Not, not a lot of traffic. Uh, it's a great location for us. And, and, you know, it's been our hub for many years now and uh, we value it a lot. So um, we also have one remote office in, in JLT, in JLT1, in the, in the Itisalat uh, uh, business hub. So, uh, so if you're in that neck of the woods, do pass by and say hello. Questions. Here they come, left, right and centre. So that was one. Second question is, how can I get funding for my app idea if I already have an MVP ready? And if it needs a business plan, who can help me to do a business plan? Well, that's a good question, and that's a pretty basic, uh, basic concern for a lot of people. Having an MVP, uh, an MVP is a minimum viable product. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so that's 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 already great because that's if you want the beginning or the basis of an app. Any, um, let me tell you something. Any startup, any new technology company, any new app, you start with getting funding from what's who's around you, right? So, friends, family. Uh, these people. You don't go straight away to a VC or to somebody like this and say, look, I have an app. What, you need a business plan, like you're saying. You, mm. need, you need to have a long-term prospect um, uh, or, or projection of what you're going to do, or mid-term or long-term projection. Who can help you with the business plan at this stage, um, at this stage of your, of your development? Probably a friend. I'd say a banker friend or, or an accountant friend or, or even a friend who's a bit senior in, the, in business can help you with, an account, with, a, with a business plan. If not, if you want to do it on your own, there's plenty of resources on the internet that will teach you how to do a business plan that will take you step by step through it. There's even some templates that will do it for you. So that's my advice to you. Next question uh, comes from another of our listeners out there saying, uh, hey, George, how about relief on VAT for SMEs? Uh, That would help cash flow. What uh, have the authorities done to help during the pandemic? Okay. Um, <laughs> well, the good news is we've only got about four minutes left. <laughs> well, first of all, first of all, I'm not an accountant, so I'm not specifically I'm not a specific expert on VAT. What I can tell you is that there was some sort of um, laxing of, of of the rules when it came to VAT. There was no there was no discounts on VAT. You know, as you know, VAT makes the makes the uh, the world go round yeah. and makes the government go round and makes us uh, give us all these services and pays for all these services that we get. But there was uh, some laxing during during the pandemic. Whereas if you couldn't pay and you needed a you needed a you needed an extension, you mm-hmm. could send a letter and explain your situation and so on and so forth. I think we're back to normal now. But I think they've did as much as they could do at the time and uh, you know i don't think that 
we can we can blame i mean the, the government here has just been fantastic during this pandemic and extremely agile so it's been uh, it's been really really good um yeah so that's all i can say on vat i'm really not a vat expert in terms of agility and just to pick up it actually leads into the next question that came through as well on the back of our conversation about banks and financing earlier on um uh, can you please ask george if he thinks that the banks are being more flexible now since the pandemic than they were pre-pandemic that's another good question. The banks are, listen, banks will be banks. Banks are there to make money and they've always made money. Bank, you, 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 you hardly ever hear of a bank, you know, not making money. Let's, let's face it. Um, but also banks, but the banks have a, have a very important role in, in, in the economy, whereas they're supposed to, you give them your deposits, they take these deposits and redeploy them to, to, to the, the entities that are in need to be able to make that capital grow. Now, some banks have an appetite for, SMEs. Some banks don't have an appetite for SMEs. And that's perfectly fine. That's a bank's policy, right? So when the board meets and they say, listen, we're going to onboard SMEs, yes, no, and they vote and they go ahead and they decide what they want to do with that. A lot of banks today are taking out a lot more SMEs than they used to uh, pre-pandemic. And a lot of them are not onboarding as many SMEs as they used to. And that all, again, depends on strategy. Here at ARN, you decide that you're going to talk about this topic or that topic pre-pandemic. And after the pandemic, you decide that this topic's more important or that topic's more important. Same goes with banks. They, the, the, strategy differ, the, the, strategy, the strategy differs depending on, on, on the board and depending on the policy of the bank. So there's not one specific answer that, they, you know, have yeah. they, are they taking more now? Are they helping more now? Yes or no? It depends on the bank. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Some of them didn't used to deal with SMEs and now we're going after SMEs. So... Listen, I think mm. uh, I think banking will get better, only be- get better and better because there's more and more noise about SMEs complaining about uh, the banking support and the finance support. And the banks are understanding that and the government's understanding that uh, and the Ministry of Economy is understanding that. And we're, we're heading and the central bank as well. And we're, hen- we're, we're heading towards a, a, a progressive solution to address these situations, especially as we get more and more uh, SMEs opening up. Well, one organization that is helping is, of course, Virtue Zone at the moment in a number of different ways whether it be between 10 and 11 here straight after the show answering your questions online at virtue zone at virtue zone underscore uae do reach out to the team there but also the referral system which is ongoing at the moment referrals.vz.ae uh, correct is so we have we have a new referral platform which is doing great i'm sure you've seen the billboards on shakes or, or the video the, the the motor the human motorbike video get on that platform register yourself and then as soon as you're in a conversation you hear somebody wants to start up a company just drop his name on that platform that's all you need to do once you're set up and then the next thing you know you get an sms where money has been transferred into your account as a referral fee go now do it now the address tom do you remember it yeah it's referrals.vz.ae good man one to do it Uh, get yourself on there uh but uh, it's going well Good. Yep. I it's mean, going, it's, and it's going very well. Word of mouth, loads of people yeah, talking about it. Yeah, we wanted to make noise. You know, the the video, the just so, the just so, uh, I mean, the just so, um, billboard and the video, the video done by Misfits was was just they're great video. It makes people talk, and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to get some noise around it. We wanted to get people talking about it. Now we're starting to see people actually sign up to it, and it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna have a snowball effect, and it's gonna grow very rapidly. So if you haven't registered yet, please register on our referral platform, earn yourself some money, and help a friend out. 
George, good to see you as always. Thank you so much indeed for your time. Thank you, Tom. Uh, this morning. Big thanks to uh, George. Big thanks to all of the crew. Apologies for not getting to a couple of the questions. We will, of course, uh, get to those shortly or, of course, answer them online. Uh, we're back with another starting up with Virtue Zone next Tuesday morning from 10 a.m. Until then, bye bye.